Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. We're going to be in a few areas of Scripture. Mark chapter 4, Mark chapter 4, 2 Timothy chapter 2, James chapter 5, as we continue our verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of Mark. Once again, Mark chapter 4, 2 Timothy 2, James chapter 5. Let me remind you that we are praying for you. If you notice, the banners in the back are beginning to fill up with names of people that we know that do not know the Lord. These are the people that we are praying for over the course of the holiday season, that the Lord would open up the opportunity for us to be able to share the gospel with them. So you'll notice, as well as the Bible in your seat back pocket, there are labels that are there, and it's an opportunity for you to list the names that you would like to pray for, for them to get saved over this holiday season. You may have one or two. Simply write the name on the label, put it on the banner, and we are committing all of those names to the Lord in prayer. We were to be praying over our uh, neighborhoods this week as we were on our prayer walks, adding to the opportunity for us to share the gospel. Mark chapter 4, 2 Timothy 2, James 5. Once again, as you're turning there, um, I don't know why we are celebrating Thanksgiving with a British accent as per our... um, uh, But I did like, if you didn't catch it, um, isn't that Splenda? Did you catch that? Okay. So funny. Ha ha. Uh, (laughs) TJ's right here. I did that just for him. Hey, why don't we go to the Lord in prayer and prepare our hearts? Our Father, we are grateful that we live in a country that we can come and gather together and worship. I'm thankful for those that have gathered, even bringing family and friend in a holiday week, so that we can celebrate how thankful we really are for the good things that you've done for us. Lord, I pray that as we go into this word now that you would speak to our hearts But Lord, we are praying desperately, coming before you for every name that is on that banner. And as we pray now, you go ahead and call out that name in your heart. And my prayer, Lord, is that we would see them come to salvation over this season. Give us the courage and the faith, not just to pray, but to share. For truly there is no such thing as a closet Christian. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I remember growing up, and it was my birthday, and my family was planning a special surprise. My sister knew, and I didn't. So she came up to me, and she said to me, I know something you don't know. And all of a sudden, my birthday was miserable. Because now she knew something that I didn't know. Have you ever been talking to a friend? And they're communicating. They they say, well, I wanted to tell you. And then they stop. Like, ah, no, I better not tell you. (laughs) 
what is it about people when they know something that we don't know? Um, like our announcements, right? We want to tell you what the movie is, but we're not. <laughs> is that like some form of advertising to get you to come to movie night on December 3rd? Thus a shameless plug for that opportunity. But why is it that people feel so good about being in the know, like a special club and you don't know, a special handshake, a special language? Well, that's exactly where the disciples are at, and Jesus knows it. If you remember from last week, he has taken them into a room alone so that he can express the truth of the parable of the sower to them. He's explaining the parable to them because they wanted to know. Jesus even told them, if you'll take a look at Mark chapter 4, verse 11, he even said to them, To you it's been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parable. To you, you special people, they heard, even though he didn't say that. To you it's been given. Just imagine the disciples. We're in. We're in the club. We get to know, and no one else gets to know. We are special. I know something you don't know. Jesus, he's discerning their hearts. And he is about to express three stories to them to help them understand the responsibility that they have with what they know. Would you look at Mark chapter 4? We'll pick it up in verse 21. Mark chapter 4, verse 21. Also, he said to him, is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed? Is it not to be set on a lampstand? Now, this makes obvious sense. You don't light a candle or a lamp and put it in a basket. The basket's going to burn. You don't put it under a bed. You may, it, you may consider it a warmer. However, your whole house is going to come down in smoke. It just doesn't make practical sense. No, you put a lamp or a light on a lampstand. There's nothing hidden, here's the point, which will not be revealed, nor has anything kept, been kept secret, but that it should come to light. In other words, I'm telling you these things for you to say it out loud. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Do you remember that Jesus calls himself the light of the world? So he's using himself as an example, as the light of the world, that he was, if you'll look at verse 21, brought from heaven to earth. He was brought into a very dark world to shine as a light. So he's using himself as an example. He didn't come from heaven and stand in front of the crowd and go, I know something you don't know. It's not what he did. No, 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 he expressed the truth. In fact, the purpose of his life was to share what he knew. It's Mark chapter 1. You remember when we studied verse 38. Mark chapter 1, verse 38. But he said to them, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also because for this purpose I've come forth. His very purpose was to share. That's why he came. So he's using the example of his life of someone who had some information that he wasn't meant to be hidden. It was meant to share because a lamp is meant to be put on a lampstand to provide light in the midst of darkness. We live in California. 
it's pretty dark. And that's why God has placed us here not to be a closet Christian, because there's no such thing, but to be placed on a lampstand to share what you know. You see, he says, nothing is hidden. Nothing is hidden. Would you look again there at verse uh, 21? He's at verse 22, I'm sorry, for there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed. Jesus is expressing the truth of the parable that he's trying to get across to them. I'm giving you information so that you can share information. Jesus is the teacher. You are my class. Your job is to communicate this information to others. That's why you are learning. In another way, Matthew chapter 10, verse 27, he says this, Whatever I tell you in the dark, so whatever I'm telling you in the room alone, speak in the light. Go into the world and speak it. Be a light. And what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. What I'm teaching you is meant for you to share. You're not part of the special Calvary Chapel South Bay Club. Because we're not a club. We don't even have a membership. When you come forward and get saved, we don't write your name down because all of a sudden you're on our roll and we think that's a big deal. We think it's a big deal simply because you took a step of faith and gave your life to Jesus. You're in the family of God. You're not a member of any kind of club. At Calvary Chapel South Bay, we don't have a secret handshake. We don't have a secret language. Well, some of you do. Hey, how are you? Praise God, glory, Jesus, hallelujah. Some of you have a secret language. We, we don't have a, a, a special way that you can't know about or a gesture that you can't understand. No, 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 no. The church has never been meant to be a social club. The church has always been meant to be a fitness center. You come in, we train you, and you go out into your world and do what we've trained you to do. Preach the gospel and make disciples. Jesus is letting the disciples know, I've given you special information, not so that you're special, so that you can share it. Church. Do you realize that the gospel could have ended with the disciples if they decided to be closet Christians? Do you realize that if they decided not to take this story seriously, that the, the, the world could possibly have never had known the truth about Jesus Christ? There is no such thing as a closet Christian. Take a look at Mark chapter 4, verse 24. Then he said to him. Take heed what you hear. In other words, pay attention to what I'm telling you. With the same measure you use, it's going to be measured to you. And to you here, more will be given. So for those of you that want to seek understanding, I'm going to give you more understanding. For whoever has, to him more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Take heed. Church, we've got to be responsible with the truth that we know. I don't know if you remember high school. I do. And I remember four classes that I thought were the most miserable classes in the world. Freshman year, algebra. Who cares if Y equals MX plus B? Who cares? But I had to learn it. You know why? Because in my sophomore year, I had to take geometry. Do you remember the Pythagorean theory or whatever it was? Do you remember it? 
I mean, to you, to you teachers, you're so embarrassed of me right now. I, 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 I'm embarrassed myself. And I took geometry because in my uh, 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 junior year, I had to take Algebra two trigonometry. I mean, just tell me where the sine is supposed to point. I don't know sine, cosine, all of those things. I don't remember what any of that stuff is. It was like a foreign language to me. And then calculus. But I was such a math dummy, I took pre-calculus. <laughs> and you know what? I couldn't give you a formula now if I tried. Because when I left high school, I left math. And it blows my mind. Someone said amen. <laughs> and it blows my mind that my son is in a master's degree program taking applied math. Now, I don't know if you know this. I know another language. Or at least I used to. When I lived in Africa, I learned the Basa language. And now I can't say much at all because I haven't put it into practice in the same way I haven't put math into practice and I can't call a formula. Now you might say, how could you forget a language? It's a tonal language. The word ni, 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 ni are four different words. So how can you remember that unless you put it into practice? It's like deciding, this year I'm going to be in the gym, next year I'm taking it off. And I'm going to have enough muscle memory so that I will be just as strong in the second year as I was in the first. It's not true. And as practical as my arguments are, is as practical as Jesus is being. If you put my word into practice, you're going to memorize it. You're going to marinate in it. You're going to meditate on it. It's why we do the sailor verse each and every week. I want you to meditate on that word. I want you to marinate in it and determine if you're living your life according to it. And I want you to memorize the word of God. But James gives us a challenge. He says, don't just be a hearer. In other words, don't just sit in church. Okay, I'm going to put in Chet English. Don't just be someone that sits in church and says amen. Don't just be a hearer of the word. Now, sitting in church is important, but don't just be that. One, he he says, be a doer of the word. And what Jesus is about to do is express to us what a doer is. Look again, if you would. We're going to go back. Mark chapter 4. He says, with the same measure you use, verse 24... It will be measured to you, and to you who hear, more will be given. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, let's keep this in context. He's speaking about the lamp, the shining of the lamp of the gospel in dark places. He's speaking about the responsibility to share what you know, not to think you're in some special club that no one else can know what you know. He's saying there's no such thing as a closet Christian. And here's what he's saying. If you hide what you know, I'm taking what you do know from you. If you hide what you know, if you don't share, things are going to be hidden from you. He says this, he said, and this makes absolute practical sense. You can't say, I'm not going to work out anymore, and you're still going to be strong. He says, but if you share it, oh, more insight, more revelation is going to be given to you. And if you find yourself in a plateau, it could be because you're not sharing. 
Now, Luke helps us understand this a little bit more. Take a look. It's Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Luke is going to help us understand what kind of measure will be given to us to express the measure that we should be sharing. Take a look. Give, and it'll be given to you. Here's the measure. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So it's still pouring. It's still pouring. It's still pouring, and it's running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Now this makes sense to me. Because when you became a Christian, the Spirit of God came in you. And Jesus describes the Spirit of God in John chapter 7. Look at the screen. John chapter 7. We're going to pick it up in verse 38. John chapter 7. He who believes in me, so when you get, become a Christian, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers, not a crick, rivers of living water. I want you to think Niagara Falls. Rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. When you received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you received the Spirit. And the Spirit is like Niagara Falls flowing into you, and He wants to be like Niagara Falls flowing out of you. When Andre and I first moved here, Zach and I, we decided to take the boys on a camping trip. So we looked up where a lake was, and we went to the lake. Lo and behold, when we went to the lake, it was not there. We were living in California. So we decided, let's find the river that's attached to this lake. There was no river. It was a trickle of a stream. We had packed fishing poles. We couldn't even catch a minnow in the thing that we were looking at. Now remember, we'd moved from Florida. Florida where it rains all of the time, four months out of the year, thunderstorms every single afternoon at four o'clock. It's actually green. There's rivers and flowing rivers, like you can't even stand still kind of rivers when it rains. Came to California and it looks like blue on the map, but it sure don't look like blue. There's windmills in this, in this river. It hasn't been a river in a long time. Maps lied to us. Hey, church, you've got to make a decision. Because the Spirit of God is flowing in you. Is He running out of you? And so I want you to take a look at the screen for just a moment because Jesus is giving us a secret to our spiritual growth. And spiritual growth is very important to Jesus. What we learn, we will grow when we share. When we share, we will grow and we'll learn. When we grow, we will share and we will learn. When we put these three things into action, Jesus is making it very clear. You're not part of a special club. You've been given information to disseminate information. And the more information that you have, that you give, you're actually going to grow even more. Do you know that the holidays make this cycle easy for us? When you go into Target... Away in Target, who they just used to remember when the whole controversy of who could go into the bathroom and not. Now they're playing away in a manger, little baby Jesus. Away in a manger, no crib for 
Keep going. Keep going. There you are, standing in line. It's playing on the microphone. Thus, do you know what that song's about? They're singing about little baby Jesus. And would you like to hear about Jesus? The holidays make it easy. You've not been given the gospel just so that you're saved. You've been given the gospel to share it. And Jesus is saying, stop thinking you're in a special club. You are in a fitness center, and I'm training you to go out and communicate. Amen? Now, what he does is, he now gives us two stories to show how the seed of the gospel grows in our lives. And there's two ways that it grows. It grows inwardly. The kingdom of God will grow inside of us. And the second story that he's about to give us will show that the kingdom of God is to grow in the world. So let's take a look at this first story. Now that we know that we're supposed to share, let's, Jesus is anticipating what they're thinking. So we're going to pick it up in Mark chapter 4, verse 26. And he said to them, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. Now remember, that's our responsibility to scatter the seed. And should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow, he himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself. Now stop there if you would. Mark alone gives this story of all the Gospels. And I believe Mark gives this story because Peter had learned the the truth that when the Word of God is planted in you, you will grow spiritually. When the Word of God is planted in you, you will grow. And I think Peter, he got this point because we see Peter's life. He grew. But Jesus, he knows what the disciples are thinking. They're thinking to themselves, All you want us to do is tell people what you've said for the kingdom to grow? That's all you want? You just want us to basically communicate what you've communicated to us. You just want us to share it with others. I mean, how's that going to change people's lives? It's just the word. I mean, how does that work? We're Jews. I mean, give us the law. Tell us what to do. Tell us how many steps we can make. I mean, there's got to be a process. There's got to be a system. There's got to be a plan. I mean, you don't just say the word. I mean, come on, Jesus. What are you talking about? What Jesus does. He tells them it's a work of faith. It tells them it's something you can't explain, nor can you know. He tells them it's a work of the Spirit, and he uses this parable to express how the kingdom of God grows in the life of a person. You see, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Jesus says it's a mystery. The disciples want to know, how does that work? And Jesus says, it's a work of God. He makes it very clear that we are to scatter the seed. Remember, we are the ones giving the word of God into every situation, into every circumstance. The spirit is flowing in us and the spirit is flowing out of us. And so Jesus is saying, you're responsible to scatter the seed. You're responsible to tell people what you know about me. And the field, well, the field is the world. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 38 Jesus makes it very clear that the world is the field. 
the soil that we are to be casting the seed on is out to the so- out into the world. There's no such thing as a closet Christian. But some of us are afraid to do it because we're like, what, what, all I got to say is the Bible? Like, all I got to say is the Word? I mean, how does that help people change? Especially in the 21st century. That's not your problem. Your problem is to cast the seeds. God's problem is to make it grow. Your problem to your neighbor, to your workmate, to your school is simply to cast the seed. God's problem. Can I remind you something? When Jesus was talking to the disciples, do you remember what he said to them in Matthew 16? He said, I will build my church, not you. He said, I will build my church. And the earth will yield crops by itself. And what the Bible is saying, what Jesus is communicating, is that within the soil is everything that's needed. Within the soil is everything that's needed for that seed to grow. And within God's Spirit is everything in the life of a person for the seed of the Word that you plant. The Spirit of God can make it grow. You may not see it. You may not even know how it's going to grow, but you can trust, though you don't see it, the Spirit of God is working when you cast the seed of the Word into someone's heart. He even describes how it grows. Would you look again? For the earth, verse 28, for the earth yields crops by itself. First the blade, then the head, after that the full grain of the head. I need to help you understand something here. Sometimes it's going to take a long time for someone to get saved. I mean, how many of you have been playing, praying for your spouses for years? You've been praying for that uncle who's going to show up for Thanksgiving who wants nothing to do with the gospel. You've been praying for that aunt who, when you pray, she kind of ugh, shivers like this. But you're praying, and you haven't given up. And Jesus is communicating something powerful about evangelism. You see, when we plant the seed of the Word of God, though it may take time, God's Spirit will use the seed of the Word of God to bring someone to Himself. It may be on their deathbed, but it will and quite possibly take time. We are responsible to cast the seed of the Word. And let me tell you, though you can't see how the seed of the Word is taking root in the heart of that person, the Spirit of God knows exactly what to do so that that person will come to Christ. He knows what circumstance, what situation, where to lead them and where to guide them. He is still seeking to save the lost. In fact, let me take some pressure off. Do you realize what God has done for every name on this board. Do you realize what God has done to set it up for success for you this Thanksgiving just to plant the seed of the word of the God, a seed of the word of God in their hearts? He's gone before you to do it. Now I need to help you understand, you may just be simply part of a long line of seeds that get planted. Let me explain. Paul explains it for us. Take a look at the screen. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Who then is Paul, who's Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed? In other words, you came to Christ because of two different people. As the Lord gave to each one, I planted, Apollos watered. But God 
gave the increase. So neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Your job is to plant the seed. Now guess what? They may not come to Christ when you plant, but they'll come in contact with another Christian. And if they're faithful to do what Jesus has asked them to do and share, another seed will get planted. And if the third Christian sees them and comes in contact with them, and you don't know what's going on, you don't know how the Spirit is moving with the word that you planted, but by the end of the day, when they've come in contact with 15 Christians, they look at you and say, okay, let me just bow down and worship Jesus because I've had it with all of you Christians coming to me planting seeds. I'll never forget. I'll never forget. We were, we were buying our house in Dana Point when we first moved to California. And I told the lady, I had a dream, this house belongs to me. She gave it to someone else. It fell out of escrow. I went back to her and I said, I told you, the Lord told me this house is for me. And she gave it to someone else. She so despised the gospel. Third time, it fell out of escrow. I'm like, lady, the house is for me. She gave it to someone else. It fell out of escrow again. I knocked on the front door. She looked at me and she goes, for the love of God, pastor, stop praying for me. You can have my house. (laughs) Church, the Lord is working in a way that you have no idea. Though it takes time, don't be discouraged. Keep planting the seed. Keep planting the seed. But the other thing that's important that you see here is that he's also speaking about our own personal growth. First a blade, then a head, then the full grain. He's speaking about our own maturation process. And let me tell you about your maturity in Christ. It takes a lifetime. So if you're frustrated that you're not where you want to be and you still got that anger problem, you're still struggling with some jealousy or frustration, if you're not where you want to be, if you purpose... To grow in Christ, you will not be where you are today. You see, a seed has the soil and the sun shining on it. The Spirit of God working through the Son of God. And when the Son of God, the Word of God, is working in your life in context with the Spirit of God, you will grow. Paul describes it like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians 3.18, the Bible says, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Now let me explain. Moses used to go up on the mountain and he alone would be changed by God. It was only for him. But now Paul is saying it's for everyone. The Spirit of God changing your life is for everyone. And he says, Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. We're being transformed into the same image, keyword, from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. In other words, Jesus is letting us know in this story, we change from glory to glory, from glory to glory, one step at a time. So have patience with me. I'll have patience with you. It takes a lifetime for us to grow. Amen? So there's inward growth that happens with the Word of God when it's planted. But Jesus wants to let us know something else. Would you take a look at verse 29? But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Now there's several interpretations of this. 
Let's take a look at a few of them. Go with me to 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 6. So listen again to the verse. When the grain ripens, immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. The farmer recognizes the fruit is ripe and it's time to go to market. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 6. The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Did you watch that video with Arlen? My chest kind of popped out like this. I was like, that's my boy. I'm proud of him. And I gave him a big old hug the other day because he got back from his Philippine mission trip and he's in our disciple life classes. And he's growing so passionately in the Lord. And he took what he's learning and he's growing because he went to the Philippines to share what he's learned. Now you get to hear his testimony. And here I am, the farmer, and I'm seeing his fruit is ripe. It's time to cut that fruit and put it into the market so that everyone else can enjoy the hard work and the labor that this church has poured into him. And we're watching that via video. Listen, do you know why we do church? Married life? Life classes? It's not for you to have something to come to. It's for you to grow so that you, like Arlen, could go out into your world and share. And the hardworking farmer recognizes, wow, the fruit is mature. You're ready to go. You're ready to go and do what God has called you to do. You're not learning simply for knowledge's sake. You are learning for doing's sake. But there's another reason. Do you know that God is watching you? Going back to the book of Mark, going back to the book of Mark, but when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. You see, God knows what you need and who you will be, and one day when you are fully matured, he will bring you home. He'll bring you home. It'll be time. There'll be a time when you reach your full maturity and it's time for you to go home. Now, guess what? He decides when and he decides how. He decides if, when your maturity is fully ripened to bring you home. Tim Keller, in May of 2020, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. He is the famous pastor at Redeemer Church in New York City. I listened to a podcast of him, and the interviewer asked him a very hard question. Why has God given you a death date? Pancreatic cancer, it is deadly. And this was his response. God wanted me to know how much time I have because there's things that I've ignored in my faith that he wants me to work on, so he gave me a death date so I can work on being sanctified and fully matured by the time he's ready to take me home. Wow. What a statement. That God has given me a date so that I can work on the things to prepare me for coming home. God knows when you're ready. He knows when you're ready, and you're invincible until you are. But there's another reason of this. You see, God one day is going to put the sickle in, and he's going to harvest the church. 
And the church is going to be raptured up into heaven because the church will be fully matured. And what that means is, if we continue to share, one day one of you is going to share the gospel with the last person to be saved, and boom, beam me up, Scotty, we're home. That's why we've got to be busy about this, because I'm ready to go home. Amen? Okay, you don't sound too happy about getting home. I was going to actually pray for the rapture, but let's just keep going. Okay, Mark chapter 4, verse 30, 30, now he tells another story. And this story, he's telling for the sake of the growth of the kingdom in the world. The first story was a story about growth in you, because the kingdom will grow. The second story is about a story that grows in the world. Now let's go on, verse 30. Then he said, Tell what, to what shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what parable shall we picture it? Now, you need to see this is two questions. It is two meanings. It's going to be a parable that gives a story about a, a, a heavenly truth in an earthly concept, in an earthly way. Heavenly principles with an earthly understanding. But it's also going to be prophetic. He says, it's like a mustard seed, which when it's sown in the ground, remember the ground is the world, when it's sown on the ground is smaller than all the seeds on earth. But when it's sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all the herbs, shoots out large branches so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. Mustard seed. Every Jewish mind knew exactly what Jesus was saying. Because the mustard seed was the measurement of the phrase, the idiom used to describe the smallest of things. Jesus would use it again in Matthew 17, 20. He would say, if you have the faith of a mustard seed. This was a common Jewish idiom. People use it all the time. Oh, 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 he's as small as a mustard seed. Or she's as small as a mustard seed. Or my portfolio's as small as a mustard seed. I mean, it's like, it's a, it's a tiny, tiny little seed. It's a Jewish idiom. But as well, the crowd also understood what Jesus was saying about this seed. Because when they would plant this seed in their garden, it would grow into a big bush. And it would take over the basil. It would take over the oregano. It would take over the rosemary. It would just grow and bloom, and the branches would just spread all out. Everyone knew exactly what Jesus was saying, that when the seed of the Word of God gets planted in the world, it is going to have supernatural growth. That's why this parable is prophetic. We've seen that. The kingdom started with Jesus being born as a baby. And now the kingdom has spread around the world. In fact, so prophetic is this parable that the Bible says in Revelation that every tribe, tongue, and nation will be in heaven. That's how the gospel has spread. The worldwide impact of the gospel is clearly evident. This prophecy is absolutely true, but he's also speaking about the way of the kingdom. The way of the kingdom. This church started as a home Bible study. It wasn't always this church. I'll never forget I went to visit a friend on the mission field, and they had just been on the mission field for about a month, and they were just getting their home Bible study started, and I was at Calvary Fort Lauderdale, and they said to me, hey, I want to take you somewhere. So they did. 
And they took me to a storefront, huge storefront. And they said, Calvary Fort Lauderdale, help me with this rent. If I have this place in this particular spot, our church is going to grow. So it's only about, and gave the amount number, if you would just help me, this would be great. This is where I see it. And I said, no. Why? But don't you want to see my church grow? Yeah. But Jesus gives a way of the kingdom. It always starts small, and then it grows. Jesus said, I will build my church. He's always about building his church, but he says that it always begins small. And I'm not going to give you this storefront because you've just started your home Bible study. And he was upset with me. You can't be in this storefront because here's what's going to happen. You'll get this storefront, but you won't have learned all of the lessons of a home Bible study in the living room to renting a school to going from renting a school, to getting a little small spot, to getting this storefront. But if you don't learn all of those lessons, your gifts may take you where your character can't hold you. And so I want you to learn from this very small spot and then grow into this spot because as it is growing, you will be growing with it. And when you get here, you'll be able to handle what this is. That's the way of the kingdom. But I need to give you a warning because Jesus does. Jesus says that when the mustard seed grows, all those little chirping birds will begin to make their nest inside. Now, don't think eagle or hawk. Think Jesus out in the field. You know those little teeny tiny birds that are like bullets? They're like all over the place, right? He's talking about those little birds like that. And he's probably looking at one going inside of a mustard uh, bush. And he goes, ah, let me give you a warning about this supernatural growth. And let me help you understand. Remember, Jesus gave the parables and gave us understanding to the parables. And so in Mark chapter 4, we learned that when someone throws seed, birds of the air come and grab that seed. Then we learned in Mark chapter 4, verse 15, that the birds of the air are Satan. Uh-oh. You mean the devil does come to church? Well, Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, he says about Satan, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. And Jesus gives a warning about the growth of the church. Satan is going to try to set up camp in the church. He's going to try to set up camp in the church. And the amazing thing to me is God allows it. He knows it's going to happen, and he allows it. How many of you, been, how many of you avoided the book of Job like your whole Christian life? Like you will not have your devotions in Job. I get it. I've done it almost my whole Christian life. Because whenever you do Job, you start having a Job life experience. And listen to what God said to Satan, Job chapter 1, verse 12. Job chapter 1, verse 12. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power, only don't lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Excuse me, God, did you just give permission to Satan to go and humbug Job? Is, is that what you did? Because I don't get that. And I know you don't get it. 
Turn with me to James chapter 5. We don't get it because we don't like this. Why would you allow Satan to infiltrate the church? Well, the Spirit gives us an understanding in James chapter 5, verse 7. Therefore, James chapter 5, verse 7, Therefore, be patient, brethren, godly character, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives earth early and latter rains. You also be patient. Establish your heart for the coming of the Lord's at hand. Don't grumble. That's not godly. Don't grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. In other words, Jesus is coming. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Those are godly characteristics, suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed, verse 11, who endure. You've heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. And everyone always quotes and says to me, Job was so much wealthier. Job had so many more children. Job was such a happy guy at the end of his life. That was the end intended for Job. You've missed the point. Standing at a funeral, and people just don't know what to say at a funeral. A mom had just lost her two, three-month-old child. And a woman walks up to her with a sincere intent and said, Sweetheart, don't let your heart be troubled. You can have another one. She didn't know what to say. But what she said was hard, and it was hurtful. Job lost seven children. Like the fact that he had more children was not like, oh, great, I got more money and more children. I'm just a happy, great guy now. He lost seven The end intended for Job was not that he was wealthy and had more children. He had a godly character. He grew in patience. He looked a lot more like God. And the reason why Satan is allowed into the church is because God uses our enemy to make us flex our spiritual muscles so that we look a lot more like Jesus. That's why the enemy is allowed. But I need to give you a promise. Because God's not going to give you more than what you can handle. Let's close here back in Mark chapter 4. And here's where we close. And with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. God won't give you any more than what you can handle. And if you're not ready for the soteriological understanding of eschatology, (laughs) don't worry about it. Because I can't believe that just came out of my mouth. I'm not even sure I know what the words mean. And I went through seminary. God will give you what you need when you need it. He will not force meat down your throat when you're still drinking milk. He'll give you truth as you're able. Now take a look. But without a parable, he did not speak to them. And when they were alone, he explained all things to his disciples. Though he will give you what you need when you need it and only give you what you can handle, he will force you to grow. That's the nature of the kingdom. Amen? Father, we're so grateful that you've given us your word. So thankful, Lord Jesus, that 
You did not give us this word so that we can just hold on to it as a special club, but to share it with the world. And that's what we're doing now. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.